0: Well, I'm super grateful to have the opportunity today to talk with someone who understands the value and the importance of every moment of life. Tracy Wheeler is the executive director of End Well. That's two different words, End Well. She's helping to reshape the conversation and the culture around end of life. Uh, Tracy's committed to breaking down silos and and inviting diverse, unexpected voices into the conversation uh, about end of life. Her innate curiosity and background in art, education, culture, and politics inform her wide-ranging interests and her commitment to shining a light on how we might make end of life a part of life. Well, Tracy, welcome and thank you so much for being here. Uh, I just wanted to say I really appreciate you taking the time to be with me and have this conversation. So much of what you guys are doing as an organization uh, really resonates with me. Um I love absolutely love uh this phrase uh, make the end of life a part of life.
1: Oh thank you. Uh well Jeremy thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here.
0: Absolutely I'm I'm glad you're here with me. Um you are my first guest by the way.
1: <laughs> That's so exciting. Okay.
0: <laughs> I'm really interested to find out about you Tracy Wheeler as a person. So aside from all the labels or the <laughs> job assignments or uh you know, anything else? Who is Tracy Wheeler? How would you describe yourself?
1: How would I describe myself? I am overly energetic. Uh, I try to do too much in any given day, or even any given moment. If I have 20 minutes, I try to do a 40 minute task. Um, <laughs> because in my mind, I can achieve that. Uh, let's see what else about me? I um, didn't I never would have expected to be in this, this profession at all. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and I think we're all kind of co-creating this field, you know, as as it emerges again in the United States. Um, It's not the first time, by the way, that people have become interested in mortality. Uh, But I think that it it kind of ebbs and flows. Uh, What else about me? Um, I have... Uh, a deep interest in art, deep interest in culture, believe that that art and um, all the arts in general actually function as ways for us to get to know ourselves and to get to know Mm -hmm. where we are in the world at the moment. I worked at Bennington College helping start a program that was about um, reconnecting democracy and the liberal arts. so I've always, and I have a degree in political science, I've always been really interested in how the sort of greater human organisms, you know, co-create their reality and then regulate it and um, adjudicate it. And I think right now we're in a really fascinating time when it comes to all of that. So that's a little bit about me.
0: How, how did you get involved with this organization called End Well?
1: Uh, that's a great question. So i um, I I had a hysterectomy, and I was I decided before it happened that I wanted to take the six week recovery time and really dive into something new. And because there was sort of a bit of a mourning process around you know that particular kind of you know body intervention, um, I decided that I wanted to learn a lot about aging. And so I was lying around in my you know recovery cashmere robe or whatever. Um, and I was reading all these books. Benny Friedan has an amazing book about aging. And at that same time, there was this, um, there was this profile of Dr. B.J. Miller in the New York Times. And I read about him and I just thought, oh my God, this man, this work, this is incredible. I wonder how I could ever meet him and get involved with that. And then, you know, one thing happened to another, I started to feel better. Um, I wasn't as focused on this. And then I was at a, a cocktail party with some of my fashion friends. Um, and one of them had herself, she had moved into working on wellness related, um, with wellness related clients. And she had been working with Dr. Shoshana Ungerleider on this mm. project. And it was about end of life. And she asked me if I wanted to join and be part of a naming session. So I went and we collectively named it Endwell. I, Shoshana wasn't there, so I hadn't met her yet, um, had no idea what a genius and inspiration that, you know, she was. And then a few months later, my friend looped back and said, hey, remember you told me about how you curate things? Um, you want to get involved? And I have been doing that kind of um, curating people and thinking about people and programs for Bennington College, which she knew about, mm-hmm. and I said, "Sure, I would love to." And I had developed a whole kind of way of thinking about putting together um, programs that you know were really like built a little bit on the structure of screenplays because I have a background, you know, in screenwriting. Not, nothing ever got made, um, but you know, I placed in a few competitions and you know have a little idea of how it works. It's not too late though, um, right? (laughs) uh, Yeah, exactly. Um, It's not on my bucket list, by the way, to ever write a screenplay. Not after the amount, I mean, you know, to make a movie, not after the amount of time I've spent, but um, but still it could happen. And then then I met Shoshana um, and learned a lot about, you know, why she had founded Endwell and was really jazzed by it because she just has such a, deep understanding of um, how important it is that end of life not be a medicalized issue, that it is a human issue, and that we should be able to invite everybody who's human into this conversation. And that very much um, jived with how I think about uh, multidisciplinary conversations. You know, one of the things when I got to Bennington that blew me away was that even though this was this incredible progressive liberal arts school, Um, It was very hard for the school to keep the silos of academia from kind of accreting around and protecting ideas. And I just thought that was so weird. Um, And I guess it's something I've always done. I really resented when I worked for an advertising agency that I was, you know, on the account management floor and not on the creative floor. And there was this hard separation. I've always been trying to break down these walls. It's just something in me. and so that's sort of a long way of how I got into and well and then I've just been doing it ever since and about a year ago Shoshana asked if I would consider being the executive director the organization had grown to the point where we needed somebody to lead it and I thought on it for about you know 5 minutes um, and then said yes and here we are
0: So so I love how you know as I said in in the intro that you you all are and specifically you you're trying to help kind of reshape this conversation. And um, culture change, culture shift is like a giant yeah. ship, right? It takes a lot to turn, takes time. Um, so, But if we go back to like 2018, which is so weird to think about in some ways, because
1: right. for the last
0: couple of years now, all we've thought about in, in healthcare, we're well, not all, but a lot of what we thought about is COVID, 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 right? Mm-hmm. Um, so Back in 2018, that word really was not ever uttered in a hospital. Um, When you look at uh, the number of people who died, it's like over 2 million. Almost almost 3 million people um, died in the United States in 2018. So I was kind of curious, okay, that was 2018. What about today? How could we kind of just start to quantify, get ideas about Mm -hmm. numbers of this, this reality of our mortality? So today, I mean, if you you Google census.gov, go to census.gov, it says, check this out, one person dies every 10 seconds in the United States. I mean, that just kind of blows my mind.
1: It's a lot of people.
0: It's a lot of people. So what I'm really getting at is like, there are these facts, there are these numbers that are so big, so loud, they really, they really just scream like we die. We are going to die. Mm -hmm. There will be an end to our life. And, you know, it's interesting, too, is like regardless of any kind of um, spiritual beliefs or practices all across the board, I I would say that we all understand to some degree that life as we know it today, right now, what is this, the 28th of February? Life as we know it will end. Um, There will be Mm -hmm. an end to what we know as life today. Um, So, what what goes through your mind when you hear those kind of stats and the volume of people who die in the U.S. every year?
1: Well, I think, I think what goes through my mind is really more of the stats. And I can't remember if it's six or nine, but for every death, there's somewhere between six and nine people who are affected by that death, deeply affected by that death. Mm. So those are the numbers that really stay with me. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that the other things that go through my mind are if you set aside COVID, and let's look at something like cancer, um, Mm. only 17% of oncologists tell a person that they're dying more than a month before they're dead. So there's also, I know, that one just blows me away. And if there are any oncologists out there, please change your practice immediately. So those are the kinds of things that really, to me, inform how we might have more empathy around these facts. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not just if we knew, if we follow a person and, you know, like a movie does, and we feel really badly when the person dies and we cry, um, all of that, yes, of course. But then there's all of the ripple effects. And then there's the time before the person died that those stats don't. Help us understand, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we do know that the death of somebody in the beginning of COVID who died alone and isolated and their family couldn't see them. And the clinicians around them were also just suffering from this unusual way of people dying um, and terrible. That's a really different death than the kind of death that I would say a hospital chaplain is, is trying to help somebody have. Or Endwell is hoping that we can help people prepare for and their families prepare for, which is one that, you know, barring violent, unexpected deaths, and even those we might be able to prepare or or help people grieve. Um, But there are so many things that a person can prepare for in advance um, Mm -hmm. that would make all of those millions of deaths potentially different. And it would make the kind of PTSD and terror and sadness that people carry after uh, what they consider to be a bad death. you know we do we at and well feel very strongly that when we say good death, that is a placeholder for whatever a person or family thinks that is. We're not we don't prescribe what a good death might be. Um, but we do know that when the family feels a death was bad or loved ones feel a death was bad. Um, that they are much prone to much more prone to depression mm-hmm. and all kinds of other you know lingering difficulties so mm-hmm. that's where the stats really come to life for me
0: it's so true that behind those numbers there like you said there is that ripple effect and
1: mm-hmm.
0: i see that um, i see that every day you know i know that you know someone may be in the hospital because i'm so, sort of like critical illness and You know, it's looking like they're not going to survive, whatever that illness may be. But when I look around that patient's hospital room, I see a mom. I see a dad. Mm -hmm. I see siblings, cousins, grandma, grandpa, aunts, uncles, so on and so forth. And those people, as you mentioned, are going to continue to live with that story of losing that person. And then also, like you mentioned, it's, it's so important to remember that this whole conversation about the end of life, doesn't start, it shouldn't start at least when you get a diagnosis or when you um, get those test results or whatever it may be, right? Because uh, there is so much leading up to it. And and um, so I'm kind of curious, what kind of response do you get from people when, when you talk about um, trying to make end of life a part of life?
1: I think that clicks for people. I think when we, you know, it clicked for us the first time we said it. Um, and I think people, as much as we're afraid of death and dying, and let me just say, I don't love that I'm going to die. I am not a person who's like, whoa, this is the best thing. And yes, it informs everything I do. I still don't like it. I don't mm-hmm. like my, that my closest friend just died in November. I don't like any of this. Um, but there's a lot about life that we don't like that we can face. And we can face it in a way that um, allows all the beauty and all of the other things that are happening at that time, um, you know, to present. And I think that that's what people respond to. They respond to the part of life bit of that statement, right? Mm. Um, because what we're also asserting is that life matters, not just death that matters, but life matters. And, and absolutely we you know and it, and and there's so many things that we do that um diminished our relationship to this gift of life mm-hmm. um, there's so many things we do to other people that challenge their own relationship to this gift mm-hmm. of life and so i think then people kind of go okay i get it i'm starting a little bit to see that um i don't have to go all the way straight to the morbid part you know
0: yeah so that's yeah. cool yeah yeah I think you're right. i I do get this sense that people are kind of under the surface, sort of wrestling with not so much the the end of life, but I think people are kind of internally just struggling with like what do I do now right And I think you know I, I talked with a friend of mine a while back about just kind of our culture right now and, and some of the things that we see and I wonder sometimes and, and maybe this should be an episode down the road, but I wonder sometimes if some of what we're looking for now is rest
1: um absolutely
0: like in all ways not just physical rest Mm -hmm. yeah yeah
1: we had um yeah i'm thinking of somebody who said in one of our conversations um she said settle your soul like just Mm. settle your soul and Mm -hmm. that will help you understand what you want out of this life and maybe you Mm -hmm. actually want less than you think you want because we have to sift through all the received ideas that we get, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. about what's a good life, um, how much money should I make, how, how should I spend it, you know, what yeah. should I be, should, you know, blah, 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 blah. whatever your thing is that you use to compare yourself to others, you know, mm-hmm. that's the stuff that when you settle your soul doesn't matter as much. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. And sometimes I've had the opportunity to meet people who I feel. From all appearances and from our conversation, you know, a, a patient, for example, um, sometimes I meet people who who do seem like they have really settled their soul. And it's such a it's um, it kind of strikes me as odd, not like an hey, you're a weird kind of thing, but um, <laughs> different from like the cultural norm where I feel like there's like you just described all of this franticness of trying to find ourselves and do life the right way, you know, when you meet somebody who has kind of just has that peace about them, it's actually kind of refreshing.
1: Oh, it's super refreshing. Very rare, but um, very refreshing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm thinking about, you know, somebody could be listening to this right now. Maybe they're on a treadmill at the gym. Maybe they are driving some on some trip somewhere. Maybe they're getting ready to catch a flight or maybe they that, there's a person who's I don't know preparing a giant meal for a big family get together and they're listening to this like what can we do to incorporate this into our conversations in life
1: well i think there's a number of things we can do i think we can the chances are that somebody you know is grieving so we can show up for those people that's a way to start um and then Mm -hmm. i think through the process of just acknowledging that somebody is grieving and pain, feeling a loss, and and whatever the loss is, um, we build a little bit of muscle around showing up for things that we currently consider to be hard, right? So that's one thing. Um, Hmm. I think we can realize that it's never too far from an event to circle back to it and say, "Hey, hey, how are you doing? You know, your mom died two years ago. How are you doing? Right. So that's one of the things Um, I think you can one can um, be a little bit more open about your own thoughts about mortality. You know, um, mine have changed. You know, I used to want my gravestone to say more and now I want it to say enough.
0: (laughs) But, you
1: know, but, but when I was younger, I wanted more and I, I wanted the world to know that if I di- died young, I still wanted more, you know, um, and now I'm cool with all mm-hmm. of that. But I think that you can. That's awesome.
0: That—that you know, That is awesome. If I can just stop you one second enough, like, wow, like um, that. Can you share more about that and how maybe just like a second how you got to that word?
1: Well, you know, and, and I don't mean it in the, like enough already way.
0: Um, I mean, it yeah. in the
1: like full way. I don't know. I mm-hmm. think I partly got to it because when I was at Bennington, um, Robert Frost's gravestone, Robert Frost, the poet, is buried in yeah. Bennington. And his gravestone reads, I had a lover's quarrel with the world. And I just think mm. that is one of the most beautiful things you could write ever on a gravestone. Um, and I, you know, I had already come up with more. And I just thought, well, a succinct thing for me would be like, for me, because I felt so not full, you know, and I was so ambitious about seeing the world and doing stuff and eating everything and just like, ah, absorbing it all. Um, to to be able to have enough on my gravestone and mean it will, that's a settled soul, right? Um, yeah. So I yeah. think that's how I got to it. Yeah.
0: This idea of, of living fully here and now, I think that's that's what this, at least from from my heart, my intention, that's what this podcast uh, is going to be about, you know, in the future. Um, so it just encouraging people to take a fresh look at, at life here and now, you know. And you you actually mentioned the whole bucket list idea earlier. So do you have a bucket list?
1: I don't have a bucket list, um, and okay. I, I think partly because. I traveled so much and did so much, you know, in my first career, which was doing marketing for fashion companies. That mm-hmm. it, probably the things that would be on my bucket list now I've done. You know, I, mm-hmm. I think that for me, there isn't like a I want to do this before I die. I want to do that before I die. I think it's more I want to um, really be open to serendipity. I want to be open to joy. I want to be open to pleasure. I want to be open Mm -hmm. to the things that, um, being so sort of type A and ambitious, I may not have like noticed as much, you know, in, in my Mm -hmm. previous more life, now that I'm in the, now that I'm in the maybe enough stage,
0: (laughs) um, it's different. Yeah. I wonder what would it be like if we just as a culture started asking that question, um, what would settle my soul, you know, or something I think about, maybe this is a good question for you is um, what brings my soul rest?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and will I give myself permission, even if I know what it is? um, Will I give myself permission to do it, you know, because it may not Mm -hmm. be how we measure ourselves. You you know, for Mm -hmm. me, it's getting out of the, Out of the automatic do more, I have, you know, 20 minutes, so I'll try to do a 40 minute task kind of mindset. Um, Mm -hmm. I think what would settle my soul and I'm really working hard on it is letting go of perfectionism. That is like the number Mm -hmm. one thing for me. And just saying, look, I show up and I do the best I can. And Mm -hmm. and there are times Mm -hmm. when I might not even show up. I might just take a nap. Mm You know, like, okay, the world keeps going. And I wonder if as I say this, I have never thought about this this way before. But I wonder if that frantic I need to always be there, show up, be doing makes dying harder because maybe you can't imagine the world without you. And when you give Mm. yourself permission to just take a nap and let the world spin, um maybe mm-hmm. you're actually preparing for not being in it all the time i don't know that's just a thought
0: okay a couple more fun questions yeah. for you before we wrap this up if you could magically wake up tomorrow morning where would you like where would you teleport to overnight and just wake up in another location where would it be
1: hmm. that's a tough one um where would it be <laughs> You know, I'm really lucky because I it would probably be West Marin, which I can drive to in 30 minutes. I, it's just okay. it's a place where my soul is settled. The only other place mm. I felt that, or another place I felt that, was in um, parts of Scotland. And to me, it's very similar. This rugged kind mm. of purifying elemental thing. Um, mm-hmm. And then I would like to teleport directly to a cafe in Paris. Like that
0: would be perfect. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for sure. Some really, really good espresso or something, right? Yeah. Okay. Can I play a word association game with you? Last sure. thing we'll do and then uh, mm-hmm. then we'll say goodbye, but uh, at least goodbye for now. Um, so I've been thinking about this and since you're my first guest, I want to try this out, okay? Okay. I'll give you a word. Tell me the first thing you think of, okay? So the key here is like not to overthink it, just whatever comes to mind. All right, let's do this. Um, so the first word is peace, joy. Okay. Uh, how about love?
1: Uh, connection.
0: Okay. Um, so you already said joy. So let's let's see what <laughs> Sorry. happens. Sorry. So the the third word. That's a, you're good. You're good. So the third word is joy. What comes to mind when you think of joy?
1: Uh, I think of
0: singing if if i catch you singing in the car by yourself what are you singing
1: i'm singing a song that i learned on the flute i've actually never heard it i think it was in a joan baez you know piano book fortunately flute and piano are in the same mm-hmm. key so you can use them both uh-huh. um and it is about a little uh sparrow i think it's actually a it might be Mexican. I'm not sure. It's called Dona, Dona, Dona. I, I forget what it's called. But anyway, it's about a kind of a sparrow that's trying to liberate itself. And there's this person on the ground laughing at its its attempts.
0: Okay. Okay. All right. I'll be looking for that if I pass you on the freeway sometime. All right. Okay. So um, two more words. Uh, this one, tell me what you think of grace.
1: Grace. I think of Bonnie Raitt for some reason.
0: <laughs> okay cool and and the last one life
1: i would go back to love hmm. i think that's you know what it's all about
0: well tracy thank you so much for joining me um it's been it's been great to talk with you i, I really do appreciate you know you the reality is all of us you me and anybody who's listening um, we only have a certain amount of time and it's, and it's undefined. We don't know how much time we have. So I do appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to talk with me, to tell us a little bit more about Indwell. I would definitely encourage people to go check out the organization you are the executive director of. Um, and what's the best way to find you on the internet?
1: Indwellproject.org. Uh, we were founded in 2017 by Dr. Shoshana Ungerleider. And uh, we're all over social media.
0: Um, And we're back live
1: for the first time since the pandemic in Los Angeles on November 16th.
0: So I really want to encourage anyone who's listening to check out endwellproject.org online so you can learn more about how Endwell is working to make end of life a part of life. Tracy, I truly hope that your life will be filled full with love and joy as you get to know true grace and peace up close. And May you experience many soul-settling moments on the Marin coast or who knows, maybe even a cafe in Paris someday. Thank you, Jeremy. Lovely to meet you. Hey, thanks so much. If you enjoyed listening in on this conversation, you can stay up to date and hear future episodes by following the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I would also greatly appreciate it If you could share this podcast with someone else, you might enjoy listening in as well. You can also find me online and contact me by visiting themomentsbeforedeath.com.